everybody. I nearly missed it there. That was my first blunder of 2022. Uh, welcome to Sonic Talk. This is uh, the music technology podcast. We talk about production. We talk about all kinds of stuff. Everything to do with the world of creating, uh, consuming to a degree, performing, uh, producing music, uh, whether it be electronic or otherwise. Uh, welcome, everybody. want to say hello to all our friends in the chats. We've got over there on YouTube. We've got the IRCers. And we've also got the uh, Discord slash... Uh, YouTubers slash Twitchers over there, Facebook Lives as well. I nearly forgot. So I just want to say um, welcome, everybody. It's 2022. I can't believe you made it. It's that t- sort of two-week break that I always get, and everything sort of feels a little bit kind of like, oh, I don't remember how to do this. But fortunately, I have help at hand this week. Uh, a f- uh, young chap called Louis who's studying uh, photography and various things at uh a college, I guess, uh, who is really interested in digital media. So he's going to be helping, helping with the switching as well. So thank you very much, Lou, for coming in. Um, and hopefully, uh, we haven't got a lot to talk about. It's not much happened, but we've got a lot to kind of can think about, I think, because lots of things yeah. have changed. I think there's kind of, you know, so that's going to be this show. There, We do have some topics, but I'm just going to uh, warn you ahead of advance. Uh, we want, I want to say thank you very much to our friends over at Yuhi, where we, we've got a new sponsor for this week's show, and also Isotope. Uh, um, uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Prince Charles, Al- Prince Albert. No, Prince Prince Charles, isn't it? <laughs> Prince Charles. He'll ba- he's, he's back with us this week. Uh, so, uh, th- uh, thank you to all of those people. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm blabbering now. So anyway, let's say hello to our guests. Uh, we'll start with Mr. Gaz Williams, uh, who's over there in Bristol. Gaz, of course, uh, bass player, producer, mm. music technologist, YouTuber in his own right. Uh, how are you, Gaz? Filmmaker. Yeah, that's what you're doing today. How well, that's been? what I've been doing today. Yeah, I mean, I literally got in here in the, the nick of time. I've just got back from a, from a li- doing a little film shoot for a new uh, music video for someone I'm working with. Um, so that's been good. Uh, it's been really nice light today and getting, and actually we're getting so close to the bone there because getting that really nice evening light coming in sort of uh, at, at the angle is just beautiful for filming. Um, Have you been chasing the light? Yeah, chasing the light. Uh, and also like kind of learning. Uh, and you know, I took a bunch of cameras with me, but I ended up using the iPhone uh, Pro 13, uh, this thing here. Um it just looked absolutely terrific but uh, we were just checking some of the footage and importing it into final cut and it looked awful so then i realized you have to create a new library in final cut with wide gamut color gamut anyway this is not a video no. and filmmaking podcast but uh just learned something new today really but um yeah thank you for having me and i uh, yeah i'm looking forward to it. this year is going to be interesting so this is definitely going to be a, a, a conversation i want to get my teeth stuck into yeah, well, how have you been? Have you uh, did you have a good Christmas and all of those kind of things? Yeah, kind of. You know, I think I mentioned, but I came off the. I you know had a tour that was meant to go right up until the twenty third that kind of got cancelled because of you know COVID related stuff. So that was a bit of a disappointing end to the year. Um, but yeah, no, pretty good. Managed to actually do a gig on. New yeah, Year's you Eve. you were in my my city, weren't you? You were in uh, um, yeah. uh, Bath. Uh, I, yeah, I'm sorry yeah. I didn't make it. I was I was actually I right. a few people into in in our COVID grotto. So uh, I yeah. <laughs> I was I was working on my own hangover, which I felt was truly deserved yeah. for a change. Uh, but you know, I was really conflicted about doing the gig. I really was yeah, because I can of imagine. the you know you know is it irresponsible to do this? I just really struggled with that, and yet it's essentially my that is my my living. So it's that battle of, uh, uh, but we you know so far so good, and you know, we're all. 
testing negative, I think, since the gig. But, whew, you know, on it goes. But hopefully 2020, you know, we'll see an end to this kind of thing. And uh, 22. That's just new. 2022. Yeah. Bit behind people the are times. It's 20, people are saying, you know, like, you know, you've got like Jaws 2. This is 2022. Oh, no, oh, 2020 see. again. <laughs> yeah, for the follow-up. So 2021, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I get, I get that. Um, yeah. uh, I, I, I wasn't quite sure what you meant, but I, I'm with you. Anyway, lovely to have you, Gaz. And as it is Thanks. with uh, Mr. Rich Hilton, who's there in, uh, it's probably not sunny. It gets very snowy in Connecticut. Uh, so I, I, how are you, Rich? I, I hope you had a good restive festive and all that stuff. I'm very well, thank you. Um, holidays were unique, interesting, splintered, suddenly fraught with unexpected conditions and situations that caused everything to change, and it all worked out. Everybody ate, everybody stayed healthy for the most part. Only some people got COVID, and now they're fine. Good. And uh, it's absolutely as gray as... A British autumn day outside right now. <laughs> just like here then. Yeah, just like here. Yeah, it's very well, British I, out. Of course, Rich uh, is uh, usually about this time of year, or certainly would have would have been uh, under normal circumstances on the on stage with Sheik performing into large packed houses of uh, disco fanatics. But uh, I guess that's, that's going to probably be uh, something not happening till the spring now. I don't know. I don't know how it works because I can't remember whether January was ever very busy for you or whether it usually tailed off. January is hit and miss for us in general. I mean, you know, pre-pandemic days, uh, January is kind of hit and miss because typically you play a a stunning conclusion to the preceding year that culminates with either a Christmas time or a New Year's gig. And then as with almost all of entertainment, everything kind of just kind of goes <sighs> for about a week or two at least, maybe a month or two at least. And during pandemic who knows how long, but there are some things in the works. And we have a really uh, bustling schedule next summer in uh, UK and Europe. I mean, just there are weeks where you can barely catch your breath kind of schedule. And uh, I'm not complaining about it. I'm, yeah, I well, I mean, hope, I think it, and I, think I do we'll hope be... that that comes to pass. Yeah, I, yeah and, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm certain of it. It'll take us to some pretty all, uh, outstanding places in some pretty outstanding venues on bills with some pretty outstanding other bands and nice uh, and as well as headline gigs elsewhere and such and it's uh it all looks great on paper let's let's hope for the best I well, I've, I certainly concur with that. Lovely to have you both here. And uh, um, um, I, I did forget to mention that uh, you can we can also support us on Patreon if you're interested. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Sonic State. We've been posting uh, ad free versions of the things we post on YouTube. There's uh, sample packs. I'm going to be doing some more of those this year. There's also uh, extra content and whatnot. You just head over there and uh, help yourself. There's, uh, there's hundreds of things there now. Is that 132? I believe. Yeah. So plenty of stuff. So uh, if you feel like joining us over there. I can thoroughly recommend it. So um, let's get on to it. There isn't really, there, there's a little bit of a framework to this show, but actually it's more to do with uh, maybe um, 
Uh, let's see. I get this. What, what's happened? What's been happening? So I suppose the first thing was you know, trends last year. What do you think? Because we've all gone through enormous amounts of change in the last couple of years. I think maybe the second half of last year, things have started to settle into some kind of normality, or things have become to appear normal to us. I just wondered what people were thinking in terms of how they were working, whether there'd been any changes to the way they do things, or how they approach sort of musical and technical stuff. Uh, whether it's given them you know more time to do A or B or C or whatever. I just curious to that so i'm going to hit the uh, go button to start the topic so uh, gaz i know that you've been yeah. you've been doing some some stuff uh in terms of you know you took a little bit of a break you were performing and re uh, recording and, and what so that was a kind of change but in the opposite direction but was that different in any way apart from obviously the procedural aspect where you had to test and all of those things i suppose mm, interesting i mean uh i suppose for me you know i'm really trying to grasp any spare time i've got to put into this modular pursuit, you know, which I'm... Uh oh it's he's really got it bad. <laughs> I've got it bad. I've got it bad. And it's kind of a... So I just turned my phone off. And it, um, it is... Uh, yeah, I've, I've made a kind of click with it now. I feel, I feel excited. I mentioned this the last time I was on the show that, uh, uh, that I've been really finding my kind of mojo with it a little bit finding a sort of music direction that i want to go with it now i i mean that isn't particularly useful in terms of like the the work aspect of which i do um of which you know i do a lot of mastering and, and i still get a lot of mastering coming in although i've been trying to get away from that um i, I think just in terms of changes to the way I've been working, I mean, I barely use soft synths now. You know, I'm trying to use, I'm trying to print everything as audio and use MIDI sequencing only in the hardware realm and trying to just not get, not, not do sort of piano roll editing very much occasionally. But um, yeah, this, got this yesterday. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, so RC five hundred five Mark Two. Yeah, yeah. Now, what I'm really looking forward to with this is um, using this in conjunction with the the modular uh, setup, uh, having that coming into here and um, synchronizing it uh, to work with the the modular. Now, the, my my intention of synchronizing this is to have this follow. Typically, I like to use the 505, my Mark One, as the clock. But um, but, but with modular, uh, I want to use the modular clock, really, and have this follow. Now, I don't know quite if that's going to work very well. It'll be quite interesting to see. But um, I've got a module that's called uh, Pamela's New Workout. Yeah, that's ALM. amazing. That's clock divider and does loads of. I mean, Ed used when Ed did five yeah. minutes with uh, his sort of mini rat. That was just all over everything. It was the heart of everything. Yeah, I mean, it's very very interesting device. It's like it, you, you can just use it to send multiple clocks places, divided clocks, but also each of those gates that you send, you can kind of send. You can actually make them envelopes. So or. Mm. Um, you know, it's a really, you know, it's like a modulator as well as a, as a clock source. God, listen to me, like, sound like I know what yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah, proper but, expert. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've got the little breakout, X, uh, uh, called a PXP, that's a little, uh, that 
that's got a little jumper connector for the the, the Pamela new workout that gives you a, a MIDI out, actually DIN sync out as well. So my plan is is to take the is to take the MIDI out of the uh, the PXP and in and then into this and uh, and to see how things go now. This is a workflow that I've championed for years, which, uh, and now with this, the reason I've got this it, it, more than anything is for the better sound quality, hopefully the better generation of converters. Uh, the 505 is fine sounding, but uh, I, you know, I really want this to kind of, uh, the things I capture in this to be able to use them at a professional level, I guess. Um, so I'm going to be quite interested in, in, in doing that kind of workflow and, um, and also being able to bounce down. I'm going to have to make a little video, I think, about this because the video I made was a, I did a video about this speculatively and I got a lot of things wrong. So uh, I need to kind of uh, put that right. But I'm just really curious to see how that kind of clocking thing works so I can just come up with something cool, lock it down, clock, you know, it's all, and then this will yeah, see well, how well this I, one of the th one of the things that I found when I was using the 505, I did a bit of testing with the time stretching and small deviations, the, the time stretch algorithm is really good. I, I don't know why it would be any other way. I mean, it's the same on any kind of platform, isn't it? I mean, and so I think it could follow quite well. I, whether or not it's constantly reclocking or it's doing the sample rate adjustment sort of at the beginning of the loop and rather than continuous i think that makes a difference but the thing about the rc505 is that's really cool about it is because you've got all those extra inputs and you can put effects on those inputs and assign effects specifically to specific inputs it's actually quite useful as a mixer almost like a control hub of the of the whole thing as well right right yeah so um what i'm thinking of doing is i've got a little um 1010 blue box behind me and uh and what's really nice about the blue box is it's a good way uh, you can put modular level audio into that and then take out line level. So it works as a nice um, interface between the modular world and the line level world. Um, but taking a second stereo feed from the blue box in to the, uh, so, cause this has got two sets of, this has got two sets of stereo line inputs. Yeah. So and having two, two yeah. feeds from the blue box, um, not quite sure why, <laughs> but because more because I can, but maybe um, to sort of have some which are kind of uh, like a, because you can record in to the blue box as well. Yeah, as you see, because oh that way, that yeah. way you can actually do that thing. Uh, sorry, this is getting a bit inside baseball, Rich. I do apologise. Um, but the, the thing, the, the thing that I, I really wanted the RC um, um, uh, 505 Mark II to do was to be able to record multiple tracks at the same time. Yes. So that you could actually, well, you can submix, so you can record all the inputs to a single track, but you can't. So I suppose you, you could use record. you could use the blue, the black. Is it the, the black box? The, the black box. box. The blue box. Oh, the blue box. Somehow. Yeah. To, to multi part of that. I don't know. That doesn't loop, yeah. does it? The blue box is just a straight record wave. It the won't black loop, box but does. it will clock. It will clock. So it will be part of the clocking system as well. So you could kind of record a multi-channel recording up to 12 mono tracks into the blue box, uh, which is then synchronized to the looper and then punch bits in and out into the looper that's still mm. in that kind of, in the clock. Uh, 
So yeah, interesting. I you know, yeah, <laughs> uh, I get to document a lot of this with video kind of content. So if you're interested in this little journey, then please join me on this. I'll be on the Gaz uh, Williams show. Excellent. Yeah, why not? So so Rich, um, how about you? Sorry, we 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 went off on a bit of a tangent there, but I guess that with there's no agenda, it's easily done. How about you? Because I know that the you, you know, do you still approach the same way of when you're making your own music? Have you modified that at all? I mean, you know, what's changed? Because I mean, we've like I say, we do, we have changed our, our workflows to a degree just because of availability for all sorts of reasons. There's, at least I found that as well. I'm always looking to change the way I'm doing things. This last few months hasn't necessarily been an intense period of that. It's more been a research sort mm. of period, an exploration period. So um, sitting on the sidelines, for example, watching you guys now and other people that I'm seeing take on uh, making a cohesive live performance out of these devices that doesn't just involve fading in and out various pre-prepared musical ideas that you brought from home, so to speak, mm. and introduce them into a public space and then do whatever you want to with them for a while. And then they kind of fade out and you've got another one in the back. Rather than that, I'm beginning to see a lot more creativity brought to music creation in a live context using those machines. And that interests me. Whereas the other thing sort of doesn't. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but it's, inter it's, it's interesting. It's not that, that interesting to me. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to maybe see how you get on with something like a RC five or Mark II because it really it, it it makes a real difference to the way that you can kind of construct things. They don't necessarily has to be you know layer upon layer. There there it can work quite sectionally as well now because it's so long the piece that you can record. It's really interesting. Well, the first guy I saw blow me away with one of those things was the guy who introduced me to the Rolly Seaboard, whose name is Marco Parisi. Yeah. And um, he has a number of videos on YouTube, most of which are close to 10 years old now, of him in a public space. One of them is sort of semi-famous now where he's sitting at NAM in a room, a crowded yeah. room that I was in, and uh, creates a backing track for Purple Rain and then plays guitar solos over it. Um, and it all comes from the Seaboard and it all comes from software sounds. And it's just one of those boss devices next to him. And he's got stunning chops on all of that. Yeah, and it, when true. you see it and it's jaw dropping, it's just like, wow, you can do that. huh? And then I've seen some other people lately in various places doing their, you know, their various no DAW music creation things on, in a live context, some of whom are, 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 are our friends who are among the chatties here and such. And um, I see development and it's encouraging and it's exciting to me. And it's, that's how, I, I mean, my interaction with these devices on a really kind of clocked professional level began with being able to manipulate hardware devices connected to each other to make a cool sound together. Mm. That was kind of how all of this started. I ended up in software. I didn't start out there. Um, so at the point where it becomes a viable music creation play uh, sandbox for people to build their sandcastles in, huh. um, then, then I'm kind of that that interests me and I love to see what people are going to do with that. 
it's interesting. One of the guys. Sorry, Rich, I didn't mean to. One of the guys who showed up on Dom's show, who blew us all away for about five minutes, turns out he and my son know each other and went to school together. And have like a ton of people in common and all that. I mean, it you know, it, the, the, it's the it's once again the world is smaller than you think sometimes. So that was interesting. Cool. I wonder because in in the way that um, you know the, the the concept of sequencing and MIDI and pattern based stuff kind of very much changed in many ways the structure of music for a while you know where we got sort of 12 inches and re- repetition and then just kind of the, the idea of building layers and dropping layers and less about a verse chorus bridge section you know link whatever i mean i'm not saying it didn't take over but it became very influential i wonder if the the the, uh, the propensity of the availability of loopers now will somehow influence the way that the flavour or something to do with the basic structure of the kind of music that makes it into the public domain on a sort of more widely popular level. Well, I think Ed Sheeran has been using a looper in his writing process for a long Mm. time now. So I suppose, yes, that that would answer that, would say yes. Um, But I think in a more... uh, in a more abstract way, um, the more that these loopers allow you to do sections, like... like, uh, you can do verse sections and chorus sections, um, and, and so someone had mentioned in the uh, in the chat room that Loopy Pro, the yes, um, I was going to say that uh, the iOS app has now come out. Although I have to say, really disappointed by the pricing structure of it um, because it's quite expensive twenty six ninety nine for an app. I mean, it's not expensive compared and you still to need an audio interface and stuff for that wouldn't you so yeah but then there's a 17 pound a year updates kind you, you 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 get free updates for a year from when you buy it and then 17 pounds a year thereafter which again is only in relation to other ios apps that that seems really expensive uh, but I think, though, initially I thought, oh, this is terrible because Apple changed things all the time. So if you've bought an app at £27 and then Apple changed something and then you need an update and you have to pay £17 for an update, seems ooh, it's like a, it's a trend I don't want to see grow. I have found out, though, since initially having a bit of a rant about that, I do think that there will be bug fixes and maybe right ios compatibility ish uh, releases uh, and that the 17 pounds a year uh, update fee is just for new features but just to connect this into what we're talking about what loopy pro allows you to do is really create uh, a, a looping wor- a looping workflow that is however you want it to be. And um, a lot of people think, well, surely you can kind of do that stuff in Ableton Live because Ableton Live has got the looper device, but it's not so easy to do uh, arrangement-y stuff with uh, the looper uh, in Ableton. So being able to build in real time arrangements with verses, choruses, breakdowns, dropouts, and all this kind of thing, um, the 505 is certainly capable of that but loopy pro really takes Re- that really does it to right. the next level yeah because you can like it comes 
like pre-laid out, but you can go in and you can change the behavior of all of the loops. So you can have like a row which pertain to a verse, a row which pertain to a chorus, right. um, ones that will kind of override and, and stay and stay present through any of the kind of arrangement changes. You can give all of the loops different, yeah, behavioral ca- characteristics then. So being able to create really super complex um, arrangements on the fly is totally possible. It's interesting uh, though, isn't it? Because I mean, in many ways, you know, when you're in the zone, because uh, this is one of the things that I've been thinking about is trying to kind of remove some of the, 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 the heavy lifting that doing a show like this so I can use my brain a little bit more for sort of conversational flow. So when you're, in the, when you're using something as complex as Loopy or as complex as a looper, it works great for generally repeti- you know, things that you already know roughly where you're going, but it, that you have to know it so well. The muscle memory has to be there for you to be, you know, or Mark Rabier, who is, is a consummate master at this, who I also notice is still using the Mark One. But ultimately, you know, you've, you've, it takes such a lot of, it's like when you have to, when you want to change, it's like steering a massive kind of super tanker because it's not that it's hard to do necessarily. It's just hard to do at the same time as doing it. <laughs> if you're making the actual music, right? Yeah. And, and you know, um, do you remember Susie Conrad uh, yeah. who won the, uh, she won uh, the Boss Looping Championship uh, a few years back and came and did a performance at um, at Sonic State. Uh, oh, gosh, that's a while back now, maybe it eight is, years yeah. ago, perhaps, yeah, something like that. Uh, maybe getting on for 10 years. Um, but she is excellent, but she rehearses and rehearses and rehearses. Uh, so when she performs live, she builds, you know, she's not using any um, pre-made elements. So she makes all the elements up, but she also... She knows what, go, to, what to do to make them. She knows what to do to make them. That's right. Yeah. You know, but then she's able to then create those arrangements on the fly, much like Marco Parisi is, I, I guess, with his, uh, with his demos as well. Um, so I suppose that's the other side of it, isn't it? Being able to have this thing that you can re- get get better and better yeah. at. And, it's a uh, 10,000 hours thing. I mean, it really yeah, is, I I'm, think, for that sort of stuff. It's an instrument, isn't it? Marc Rebier is a classic example of, uh, of, 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 of a person who is using this as a as virtuo as a virtuoso in a way um, of this, and of course, um, not forgetting Beardy Man and his yeah, Beardy course, Tron yeah. two thousand or whatever it is now. And our very own Jamie, Jamie Liddell as well, of course. Oh, yeah, and Jamie's amazing. Yeah, good point. Um, but I think uh, just this idea of things not being pre-prepared not being or backing track type things or you know and and and, and the scope to fail yeah that's, that's what people people seem to see to, to to respond to that kind of high wire vibe don't they they definitely yeah yes okay the tight rope the tightrope. I, 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 I should probably play an ad because we've got a, a, a new, um, a new one from our friends over at Yuhi. So I'm going to uh, make sure I get this. Uh, here we go. Stand by. This is Yuhi Metaphorium, a 220-plus strong sound bank for Hive 2.1 that has been custom-crafted over a period of two years by Howard Scar, Victor Weimer, and also Urs Heckman himself. Bank was originally commissioned as a custom set for composer Johnny Kilmack for projects he had coming up, including a secret film. That 
film turned out to be The Matrix Resurrections. As Urs Heckman was one of the patch designers, features were added to Hive 2.1 to allow the creation of the new bag. Pretty cool. The sandbag is available via yuhi.com priced at 39 euros. Use the URL bit.ly slash talkmeta. Yes, and I want to thank them for their support of the show. We'll have some more features of their stuff coming. I'm going to flip through some of those presets and we're going to have a chat with the designers as well. So it's going to be kind of interesting. Um, okay, let's 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 kind of take it to a topic because that would be astonishing <laughs> that we actually had one. <laughs> uh, so now there was this, I, I'm going to play this because it was, it was kind of a... Um, uh, it was a, a post that Midiera uh, posted. Uh, what is, oh, by the way, thank you to Midiera for the quiz. Thanks for everybody who enjoyed the quiz. I know that la we didn't quite get it right because what happened was um, uh, Paul Rammer won by a ridiculous amount, like 50 out of 50, which was not possible. I think what happened was is they they did a double picture entry, which may have been in error, so that because we didn't switch on only one per person, because that meant that only people who had Gmail accounts could log in and do it, that threw everything out. But we worked it all out, so it's actually, uh, it was a tie between Palrama and Wagyu. Wagyu both and Palrama both at 41, so congratulations to you both. Anyway, now I can get onto the topic. So uh, what's that, vid one, yes. Good old Mr. Wakeman. I hope we don't get busted for this. Me I'm sure we will. Me and my new school chums dressed up to play a track about the Arthurian legends. Grandiose music, <laughs> a heroic subject, outlandish costumes. This could only be the 70s. Heyday of that much maligned creature, the concept album. Yay! And it's really interesting. The yeah. reason that the reason this came up, and I knew you'd love this, guys. The reason this came up yeah. is because the concept album traditionally has been something that's crafted over time. You know, it's something that's sort of quite alien to the way that a lot of people are making music now, because we can now drip feed. We don't necessarily need to work in that sense. But when you consider what's happening in the visual arts in terms of television and film, I wonder whether or not we're going to be going back there. This is my this is my hypothesis because when we Please. consider feature films, feature films are becoming quite a scarcity because they're hard to make. They still cost a hell of a lot of money, but you're still limited to this kind of two and a half hour kind of thing. And what we're seeing with the rise of these uh, um, subscription production houses, Netflix and Amazon Prime, and there are others. They're creating, they're putting the effort into six or eight hours, you know, so you would have Game of Thrones, which I think is probably the first one that really went to sort of million dollars plus an episode and created these really intriguing characters so that we don't have to kind of cram it all in and get all the whiz-band effects in. You get it all, but you get a much longer dialogue and a much longer relationship with the art or the, the product you're consuming. So I put it to you perhaps that concept albums might come back in a way because people will begin to appreciate the relationship they're having and it'll be a little more um maybe maybe it's a trend i suppose that's what i'm saying i don't know who wants to go first <laughs> well i've got a lot to say on this subject okay. so i don't mind <laughs> but um, yeah i mean in a way the album is dying isn't it in just the traditional album sadly the journey, the story, the, the kind of concept. Even the well, just people, people listening to albums, buying albums in the streaming age, and people typically listen to playlists. And you know, and I mean, there are lots of people out there who still love albums, but the album form has 
you know, dropped off a lot in, in recent years. So the concept album could be the way to kind of save the album, you know. Oh, okay, um, interesting. Yeah. Now I'm I've always been a huge fan of concept albums. I've made numerous ones with different bands that I play in. Uh, Asteroid Deluxe's The Lawn is a concept album. That was a that was a concept album um what came what what happened there was we we were doing a live soundtrack to the french film um uh, fantastic planet cartoon from 1973 psychedelic cartoon and we'd done a new soundtrack to it and then i think the uh, the producers of the film caught wind to it and they stopped us doing it so we weren't allowed to do it anymore boo which is really annoying um but we had all this material that we'd written so what really what we wanted to do was we wanted to repurpose that material so really the way to repurpose it was to kind of find a concept to kind of oh, well, to hang to it right, sort right. Of, yeah and uh, i'm not quite sure why exactly but we'd come up with this idea of um of the I, i'm sure people have heard me talk about this before but about uh about the building of the of the council flats from after the second world war and, and this kind of utopian vision and um yeah, sort of mass how, urban accommodation yeah. yeah yeah and how quickly that kind of went sour and uh you know, and we'd sort of, um, and we thought, wow, okay, this is a really interesting concept. Now, I, I mention this because I do think that, you know, it's a kind of cliche to go, oh, you know, the concept albums are about witches and goblins and all this kind of stuff, you know. Well, this yours is, was, yeah, yours is about a housing block, which is very different. Yeah. So, yeah, that, yeah I, exactly. I, I totally get what you're saying. I totally yeah. get what you're saying. I mean, I think, hmm. I, I mean, and I and I understand why you would be. I wonder whether or not the, the issue is also is so much effort now go, would go into just making an album, let alone something that had more of a concept. And if it's you know gatefold multiple, that that maybe we're going in the opposite direction. You know because you know uh, Instagram limits you to a minute. I don't know whether what the TikTok uh, video limit is. Maybe our music will actually just end up becoming shorter and shorter. So the three minute <laughs> pop song will become a one minute pop song. <laughs> Rich, I could see your your you maybe disagree with that possibly, but. Uh, you, you... All right, so for me, this is a discussion, an artistic discussion mm. about form and about different forms. And there are long forms, there are short forms, there are other predictably sized forms. There used to be something called an LP's worth of tunes, and then it became a CD's worth of tunes, and now it's a eight show series's worth of tunes. Um, and Never has the existence of long form precluded people from writing short stories, and never has the existence, conversely, of short stories precluded people from doing long forms. Now, when you string them together and you try to call them a concept, it depends on how they were conceived and what the story is that's being told and how well it's being told and how coherent a story it was to begin with and whether you're a Tolkien or not. And um, and that's a separate sort of subset of longer form and then and then as you point out now there uh some people are eschewing the hour and a half movie format in order to make longer series that can get more in depth with each with the characters and become much much longer forms splintered into eight or 12 episodes and some of that uh came kind commensurate concurrent to the existence of uh reality tv and i'm not sure if one affected the other or not but that's sort of how binge watch you know certain shows just became bingeable uh yeah. first first on dvd and blu-ray and then now in streaming services and that's kind of almost how a lot that's how a lot of people i know consume their entertainment so I don't see one precluding the other. And in fact, the further we come from being able to make a living at this stuff, in other words, the less the 
financial considerations are going to play into those decisions yeah. if you're not trying to you know buy a mansion and a yacht from your music income then you'll do what you want to do then you can yeah. do whatever the hell you want you don't have you're not trying to fit into any particular pre preconceived hell notion heck in, in this group we're not trying to fit into any preconceived <laughs> instrument let alone any kind of music or form or style or anything we're all we're all talking about building the instrument from scratch every morning to create a piece of music so i i don't know the further we get from it being a co commerce driven business which is what it had entirely become the more likelihood there is on some level for greater artistic experimentation and cool things to happen because everybody's not writing into the same rabbit hole. Everybody's got their own vision of how they might represent themselves. And then there's other people who are yeah. trying to copy somebody else's rabbit hole, and that's cool too. So, and it could be long form, it could be short form, it could be whatever it is. So it doesn't preclude, I mean, Wakeman in, in the example, of course, was poking fun at the genre which he helped create, mm. which is kind of clever of him, and it's not atypical for the way he has humor runs anyway and mm -hmm. by the way if you haven't read wakeman's books they're they're a real uh a real laugh you you might <laughs> you might really enjoy it because the man can tell a story he can spin a yarn <laughs> he can weave a tail he can I, well one thing that was quite uh, encouraging from what i saw there he was also able to spin a yarn quite because i filmed him a number of times and he's a very difficult gentleman to film because he's very potty mouthed and uh, just continually yes. continually <laughs> tells you really unrepeatable and unpublishable stories about people he's yeah. worked with and it's nothing you could do so they did a good job uh, <laughs> at work, working with that <laughs> i know stories about him that are like that and he and so he's not only just talking about it he lives at this i know somebody who made a record with him um and uh yeah he's that guy but he's highly entertaining he's the life of the party in any room yeah. he's in <laughs> I, I mean, I have told my Rick Wakeman in Houses of Parliament story, I think, on Sonic before, haven't I? Have I? Does that ring any bells? I don't know. Because uh, do. So go back into 2003, and I was uh, playing with a, an artist called Christopher Reese, a uh, Welsh singer-songwriter, very, very talented guy. And uh, he was invited to take part in, a, in an event in the Houses of Parliament, in Portcullis House in the Houses of Parliament. And it was the first, and this was to do with a changing of the licensing laws of music in Britain at the time. And... Uh, the singer Fergal Sharkey was um, appointed as this kind of liaison between artists and sort of politics. And so they were putting on this event to promote these new changes. And Chris was invited to take part, as was Rick Wakeman. And, um, and it was a concert in this Portcullis House, the first concert to ever take place, rock concert in the Houses of Parliament. What was cool was we went on first and the first song Chris played started with a bass line. <laughs> So, so you I'm played the first bass line in Parliament. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, Rick Wakeman turns up. We were doing a sound check, and he just turned up. I think he must have known that there was going to be a keyboard there. And he asked if he could use our keyboard player's keyboard, which is, uh, I can't remember what it was now. It was an 88-weighted uh, thing. Uh, so about two th I think this is, oh, 2003, I think, the year. Um, and so I was showing him that. And then went off with Rick for a coffee and he regaled me with these amazing stories. Uh, really funny guy and um, really entertaining. I was so chuffed to be, 
you know, in private company there with with Rick. Um, oh, this story turns grim, though. Um, <laughs> and he was telling me some awful stories about Chris Squire, who's my kind of hero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Well, mind you, Chris sadly is no longer with us, but um, and uh, he was very tardy, shall we say, Chris uh, Chris Squire was. Um, <laughs> um, Anyway, so this is great. And I just thought, oh, I've just got a new best friend now. That's how he makes you feel. It's great. Um, but anyway, we did our show. And then the band who was on after us, it was a little bit dodgy. It was a bunch of MPs who played together called the MP4. And uh, I think there was like a, a guy, you know, left-wing Labour on guitar. The guy Runrig from Runrig, a Scottish band, it was, he then became a politician was on keys and it was like a Tory guy on the drums. You, he drummed like this. <laughs> and so, um, and uh, they went on after us and it was, you know, and they were, you know, it was a little bit, uh, and I, I know. And the stage manager said to us, cause I was wondering about putting the, bringing our keyboard back on stage for Rick. And she said, Oh, Rick's not playing anymore. I said, Oh, why not? He said, Oh, he needs some DI boxes. I was going, DI boxes. No, no, it's fine because we're coming from a. It was we just had a small mixer on stage with line level inputs, and so I, so I said, no, it's fine. No, he must be mistaken. So I rushed over to Rick, and he was, um, was going, "Hi, Rick. Um, I heard that you couldn't play." And he's called, "Yes," and he, and he was a totally different person now from earlier. He was like, I think his Twitter handle's Grumpy Old Rick or something like that, and he was he was super grumpy and was going, ah, two DI boxes is that too much to ask for?" And he was in this. I was going, "Hey, Rick, no, it's fine. You don't need DI boxes. We're coming out of line level. We're going into line inputs." He going, "Are you telling me you know better than I know that you've been running this for the game?" I started trying to. I go, Whoa, and he's being really horrible to me. And oh, I was wow. just trying to be helpful. Really horrible. Like this really nasty side of it was coming out. I was going like, no, actually, listen to me. I'm a sound engineer. I know that he, this. So, you know. Yes. And, he, and with that, he just had his newspaper. He threw his newspaper on the floor. He turned off and he stormed out of the Houses of Parliament. I just kind of watched him kind of go just thinking, oops. But yeah, maybe, <laughs> I turned around. Maybe he didn't want to do the gig. And That's what it was. Yeah. He was using an excuse and I was blowing his excuse. And in my naivety, I was just trying to help out, you know, and then, um, oh <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. sorry to hear that. Um, I've just realised uh, we should probably have a little uh, uh, um, word from our friend uh, Prince Charles Alexander as well, because we haven't heard from him for a little while. How you doing, Prince? Isotope Producers Club is a one-of-a-kind membership for producers ready to take their tracks to the next level. Once you join, you'll gain access to powerhouse Isotope plugins and a curated selection of tools from our partners, such as Melodyne from Celimony. Plus, as long as you're a member, you'll get every future update to the Isotope plugins in your membership for no extra cost. We'll also regularly serve you new curated content like exclusive inspiration-sparking sample packs and preset packs and industry-leading training ranging from our own tutorials to vocal production lessons from the world-renowned Berkeley Online, taught by Grammy-winning producer and engineer, Prince Charles Alexander. With new content being added every month full of valuable production techniques, tips and tricks, and solutions to common production problems, becoming a member is an investment in your career that grows as you and your career do. For more information on Isotope Producers Club, head to isotope.com. 
Thank you very much. I want to say thank you to Isotope for continuing to support us. And of course, don't forget if you're still uh, looking for savings, if you head over to isotope.com forward slash Sonic Talk and use the code Sonic10 at checkout, then it's entirely possible you could get uh, a save. Well, you will. You'll save 10% on any any purchase there. Not subscriptions and not hardware, but uh, the rest of it will be totally available for you. So uh, once again, we thank Isotope for their continued support of the podcast. Um, Okay, right. Uh, sorry, that that sort of started one way and ended another. And I was hoping it would because it sort of feels like, you know, like I say, there's not an awful lot of topics going on. Um, mm. We're, I mean, we're, we're heading towards the tail end of the show. And one of the things that I was also interested in really was what, what people thought about we might expect, you know, because everybody, everybody always has predictions. I'm not sure about predictions, but do you think there's going to be a, a, a change? It feels like we're... Lots of things are changing, and I'll I'll start with myself just purely because I think there's been some sort of behind the scenes industry changes that maybe people aren't aware of that are going to change a lot of things. I mean, obviously, as we know, Zoom has become the kind of the the the, the vehicle of choice for group. Uh, interactions, meetings, all of that sort of stuff. And they have completely dominate. I always joke that right at the beginning of this, I said, oh, well, we should buy shares in Zoom. And if I had, it would have been a really good idea because now they are the dominant force. I mean, yes, they're, you know, teams and all, there are other things, but Zoom is really, you know, everybody, your grand knows how to Zoom, whereas that she probably doesn't know how to use Teams, I would say. But they've just bought some other... Um, Companies they bought this company called Liminal or uh, acquired some of their technology and Liminal uh, create the ability to control Zoom over OSC so kind of MIDI MIDI slash OSC control which allows all of these things and to pull information like the names of people also Zoom ISO which is it will allow you to take ISO uh, feeds so individual camera shots out of Zoom so you can bring them into a program like this and have them all individually but Zoom is just the transport so I think we're going to see a lot more evolution of how that integrates with maybe people, how people are doing music, musical stuff, maybe even low latency kind of collaboration. So that's my little contribution. Um, I wonder what uh, what the what the panelists thinks may be coming. I know, Rich, you were you were hesitant when I brought this up because you know you don't consider yourself maybe a futurist so much. But I, I mean, I'm just curious whether you have any observations. What do you? Because one of the things I think, for instance, is also software is going to be major because we've got these huge shortages of components and people are just. You know, I heard a story that Yamaha were not taking orders for digital consoles because they just can't fulfil them the whole of next year, this year. I mean, and I don't know whether that's totally true, but that sort of thing is going on all over the place. So, Rich, I just wondered whether you had any any thoughts, you know, uh, of what may be happening coming up in the future. Well, I guess that garage full of Yamaha parts that I've got downstairs <laughs> is going to come in handy then. Um, <laughs> <sighs> Thoughts about trends. Well, as I already, to reiterate what I said earlier, I'm hopeful that I'm going to see a greater proliferation, hi there, of people, proliferation of people who can pretend, who can play uh, these electronic instruments in a live context and, and create interesting and evolving pieces that while don't necessarily alternate between A and B sections in a traditional song format, do evolve in ways that keep us interested and don't make us feel like we're kind of languishing in something that's been going on for too long. And I'm really looking forward to some more of that. Creatively, I'm looking forward to using more different tools. Um, I mentioned, uh, I just got hold of a synth from Softube called uh, 
something 73. It's a mini mug. It's basically a mini mug. And uh, it may, like with their Roland emulation, it makes their modules available in modular as well. And nice. putting, and I actually went back and did, uh, you know, some multi-oscillator things in mod, there's the, some presets too for modular with the Moog modules that are just stunning. I mean, how good they sound. And uh, so I'm looking forward to putting those things to use and some other, processing stuff that I've got and some other new synths. And I'm just, I just like being inspired by new stuff. And because new stuff is so easily to easy to come by these days um, and not, you know, terribly expensive and it doesn't take up any room. Um, I'm not that affected yet by mm. what we're talking about here, which is part shortages, supply chain, how that's going to sort itself out the big picture, the way the, the way the world is. And, uh, the thing I'm looking forward to the most in the coming year is the prospect that this virus is going to progressively get less and less dangerous mm -hmm. to individual people, both vaccinated and unvaccinated, to the extent that it can no longer be a major force in our lives. Amen. Yeah, I, well, yeah. I, amen to that. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. It's interesting, guys, isn't it? I mean, I think that um, you know that the, the change in terms of all this stuff that's sort of promised. I mean, one thing I, ju I just reviewed the uh, the Dreadbox Nymphus, which should be out maybe tomorrow. And one of the mm. things about that is it, you can get it. They've designed it with stuff they can get. So you know, there's right. innovation. You just kind of work your way around these things. It's like, well, I can't get those parts, so I'll get these parts. But I mean, there's that's that's a side. I mean, I just wonder what your thoughts mm. are. Do you think we're going to see more uh, virtual performance and events and things? And you know, what, what's your what's your thought thinking? Mm, interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, if you know, and what Rich said was just perfect there, and, and you know, hopefully that this era will be drawing to a close soon. But uh, I wonder what the lasting legacy of things will be. You know, whether more virtual events is going to be something anyway. You know, irrespective of uh, of the disease. Um, but I've got a few thoughts. Really, I was thinking about how when we were at Superbooth and talking to a lot of manufacturers and understanding the scope of the of the shortages and how there's going to be a period of time where uh, equipment is going to become a bit more scarce and maybe seeing prices rise. Uh, you know, we we're talking to manufacturers who were saying that they couldn't give us a price on things because they didn't know what the component costs were going to be. Uh, so we may well see big price hikes coming so I started thinking, hmm, I wonder then whether a certain era of music gear is going to start becoming more, um, you know, more valuable. You know, we've ah. seen all the vintage instruments going up and up in value, but there's still that kind of mid-90s through to the sort of noughties kind of, you know, to maybe um, to the kind of, you can almost call it the, the mini brute era. Oh, the Volker era, that time before then, that uh, because laptops and MIDI controllers had sort of dominated, but there were still you know, manufacturers coming out with interesting devices. Um, in the 1990s, uh, mid-1990s, uh, we had like, in, in certainly in Britain and then across Europe, you know, the rave just took over, didn't it, in, in the early 90s? Yeah. And then manufacturers were a little bit slow to react to it. Most of that rave stuff was being used you know was being made on devices that wasn't specifically meant for that 
music form. And then stuff started coming out, which was... Which had you know, genres, which had like buttons, buttons genres with genres on them, which is always yeah. the death, the death knowledge. Death, death <laughs> Once it's a genre button on a Roland synthesizer, <laughs> yeah. game over. Yeah, Game over. So, but I'm just wondering now, though, what the cherry, you know, what are the cherries from that era that are going to start to kind of go up in, in value? You know, whether there is a, you know, whether that sort of, you know, yeah, the turn of the millennium, shall we say, and, uh, you know, what gear, you know, I, I think we're seeing JP8000s going, they're going up in value now, I think. Um, and maybe, you know, things like quasi-midi devices mm. and whatnot, you know. And, and of course, it's always fun, isn't it, to, um, you know, subvert the use of a piece of equipment. So these genres, you know, genre sort of driven devices, using them in kind of strange ways. Of course, you know, the classic Yamaha DJX, which is an incre- ah. it was an incredible instrument for its era. Um, Formed the basis you know. of most drum sounds for the Golf Rap Black Cherry, that, that particular device. Yeah. Wow. How about that? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I'd be just kind of curious to see if that if that will be something, you know, I mean, you know, just that, that, that that's been like super dirt cheap, that, that kind of era. And in fact, those kind of rack unit sort of devices have been, um, have been falling in value for many, many years, but a lot of them have got quite mm. deep MIDI implementation. So with the with the fantastic MIDI controllers that we could only have dreamt about in the 1990s being available now, it kind of opens up some of those devices to, you know, to maybe having a second life. Um, That's interesting. I, I mean, I wonder also, I mean, but, but, you know, if we move, I watched uh, Blade Runner 2049 over Christmas, uh, which mm. I loved. I mean, it's great atmosphere, although yeah. not enough music in it. It was very bereft of music and musical themes. And I think it, it could have a, done with a bit more, but that's just well, beside yeah. the point. But, There's a I story mean, behind that. Yeah. yeah, no, I know. But the, the, the thing is, uh, in there, 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 there are all these kind of little workshops where you kind of, t- where people kind of strip the components out of old technology and bring it into news. I wonder whether or not also, because there were lots of things being made during those eras, where people will start Mm. hoarding those and pulling the bits out of, making other synths out of like, you know, I don't say the JD8000 VCA or whatever. I mean, mean just I'm I'm paraphrasing here. I don't know what what that might be. So there are are instruments and things that come out of sort of mutated scrap heap versions of the DJX or whatever. So it's like, yeah, we've got (laughs) this new synth, which is baked, because we had that with the SID station, didn't we? And the SID chip and loads of things. and, And Frank, Frankly, yeah. I could do with, I don't need any more of those. But there, there might be a number of things that, that people can repurpose or, yeah. you know, where the LCDs were the things that went on all the Akai, you know, samplers or whatever, but the D2As are great. So people, do you see what I mean? So there'll be this kind of almost like this subculture of workshops that people are kind of mangling old synths and bringing them into news and re, repurposing and remaking them. I, I doubt it, but it's an interesting idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, you know. So I mean, I think, um, but uh, but just 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 to kind of touch on some other possible trends, um, software, yeah. uh, uh, you know, is is in rude health. Is not subject to the uh, to the kind of component costs other than the computers themselves uh, that they run on. But um, you know, most people have got decent computers, or certainly decent enough for music applications. So. Big scope for software, um, I guess. Um, for me, on my own personal journey with modular, um, 
I'm very kind of curious about uh, about following. Well, like I was talking at the top of the show, and it actually connects very much to what Rich was saying uh, about. I'm starting from very simple things like using random voltages, feeding them through pitch quantizers, and then developing them, and then at certain points doing key changes and right. trying to bring some things in. Now, the reason why I mentioned that is I wonder whether we're going to see more devices that uh, sort of bring music theory type of um, control in. There are quite a lot already uh they're the i've i've got one in my uh in my in the middle there on the kb37 a thing called the harmonig from instruo which is uh, which takes a single um a single Im uh, voltage input and then splits it in splits out four and you can uh and you can put them into into scales but also into so it's sort of almost like logic control of you know so a musical logic control of a, a control Ye inputs i suppose that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah 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 and that, that that then but can make you know beautiful harmonic uh essentially you know the you know music theory correct um and i wonder about i mean that's my own kind of journey really that i'm really interested in is trying to make you know um beautiful multi-layered music i'm incredibly inspired by mort garson at the moment so i don't know an awful lot about him i don't think he's with us anymore is it a canadian um synthesis from the mid 70s possibly i really know very little about him but his music is beautiful and very melodic and and the harmony is gorgeous in it and uh so I'm interested in that. And I think other people I've talked to are really interested in that, in that as well, which, you know, you know, modular, and I'm using modular as a way to do that. But of course, you know, software is fantastic for exploring yeah, that kind of thing Oops. as well. Oh, that. Mort. That's Plantasia. Yeah, I just found it. Yeah. Um, uh, let ah. me see if I can bring that one up. Mort's Pla Mother Earth's Plantasia, a concept yeah. album at 31 minutes, oh, which seems eminently album. too short. Sure. <laughs> yeah, but that's an album for your house plants. Each song is tailored for a different house plant. <laughs> <laughs> to nourish and raise, <laughs> uh, and his, oh, his masterpiece, funny. masterpiece. That's uh, funny. But that's how that's where I want to go. I want to make music like Mort. Um, so you know, any devices that help me make Mort Garson style music is uh, is got uh, will get me interested. Excellent. Well, it's interesting. I wonder. I mean, we're saying about you know most people have got computer. I wonder if we now see because uh, and if we take this to its logical conclusion, let's let's project a little further into the future. I mean, we know that Apple's first batch of M1s have gone out, but they're struggling to fulfil the demand, and so the waiting lists are getting longer and longer. Does this mean that we're going to end up in a situation where software? engineers then have to kind of work backwards a little bit and almost become more efficient, create more efficient code to get more out of what we've still got but can't get yet. Interesting idea. Don't know. I know, Rich, I mean, you know, software is a, it's, it's a big deal, but it's, you know, as we've seen before, we can quite often get to a situation where there's this sort of almost like wastage of because it's like oh there's plenty of power in here we don't need to worry about optimizing and sometimes you end up with this sort of bloating ever moving target so you know that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing i suppose uh, given that the capabilities of the computers seem to be jumping lately yeah. in terms of the uh, newer uh, apple silicon released uh, products and the ones that are likely to show up. 
it's truly getting to a point where the limitations of the machines are not that not a problem. much <laughs> of an imposition right on the process the, the the greatest imposition on the process is our ability to generate something interesting enough to make it worth listening to and uh and all that other stuff is just the tools you know which hammer did you use to build that house Mm. <laughs> it's interesting. I suppose that, that's, that's kind of fascinating. As the capability, as the tools we have get, expand our possibilities sort of ma massively, as a sort of culture, our ability to concentrate for anything longer than you know a minute is, is shrinking <laughs> exponentially. There's a sort of inverse proportion. I don't know if that's uh, true or not. Whether I'm generalising, I am, of course. There is that theory, isn't there? I think Rick Beato has been pushing this idea that uh, if you look at the arrangements of a lot of modern music, there isn't a lot of change. There isn't a lot of, you know, different, you know, the Middle Eight has largely been relegated to the history books in lots of songs. And, and part of the reason <laughs> for that is that it's just people want to just grab a section for TikTok to dance to. So you know, any part of the of the song is capable of being TikTokized. You know, mm, which is an interesting thought. Yeah, I suppose that's true. That's true. Well, as we've seen, the commodification of music, that's a whole nother separate conversation. Though. But we've, uh, we have managed to make it through an hour, which is impressive, wow. seeing as we had very little to topics to go for. So I, I'm very much appreciative of you two guys uh, for uh, being, uh, being up for it and um, knowing that there was actually not all that much uh, in terms of topic, topic going on. And also to our friends in the IRC, in the... Uh, uh, the YouTube chat and also in the Discord, which kind of is now f gradually conglomerating all of them and also everybody on uh, Facebook and all of that stuff. Thank you for uh, uh, sticking with us. Uh, don't forget, if you like what you hear, uh, it's worth subscribing to uh, Sonic State. We've got so, a lot more stuff coming up. Like I say, I've got the Nymphis, uh, Dreadbot Nymphis Ooh. review coming. I've also actually got the boutique uh, JD8000 oh, uh, and the, uh, yeah. the JX8P thing wow which, uh, so i've got both of those which seems to be a massive leap in terms of what boutiques could have done you know before we yeah. were getting four now they've got like 100 voices and multiple letters i mean it really have rammed yeah. in the dsp there so that was kind of good but rich thank you so much for joining us i do hope you uh oh your bandwidth is going i do hope you have a wonderful um january restful uh, but yet still you know plenty to do Thank you. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to it and hoping for better days ahead. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> here, here. And uh, Gaz, uh, thank you. Thank you for making the effort to get back to join us on time. It's very much appreciated. And uh, oh, I will, you know, I hope your filming has gone all right. Yeah, no, I think it's really good. I, I think I am also going to do a show tonight. I wasn't going planning to, but I, uh, I think I'm going to do. I think I'm going to do a bit of a first look. I mean, I literally got. I got this. I got back home. Um, after 10 p.m. last night so and then i've been filming since uh early this morning so i haven't had a chance to eat well i've plugged i've plugged it in but only the power i haven't used it in any way so i might just do my very first thoughts on this tonight mm. um so anyone wants to join me i'll do that from 8 p.m um quick question nick what's happening with nam this year is it happening in winter not in now? january no there's no not nam there's no nam in january uh it's been moved over to june which may or, i don't know quite what our plans are yet i mean my daughter's a levels are in june and i'm not sure uh, me leaving the country is going to be uh, an option but we've got i mean we've got also this is the other thing that sort of ties into with the previous topic you know 
the, the possibilities with what we can do in the cloud, certainly with video and production, are astonishing now. You know, we could have a situation where we could just send one person with one camera and all they do is they plug the cards in and they get uploaded to Amazon and then somebody edits them from somewhere in the world on a virtual mm. machine and it's mm. way more efficient. You know, there's all sorts of possibilities these days and we've just got, as long as we've got the bandwidth, we can do almost anything. As we proved with Superbooth, it was, it was a real eye-opener that we could do all of that. It's just the right yeah. bandwidth in the right places. But yes, uh, June, I believe, is where they're heading from. Mm. But there's also um, Superbooth in May, which may or may not. Yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's another one. Yeah, fingers crossed for Superbooth. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'd be tempted to go for that just because it's so much fun. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, folks, nice. thank you so much. I'm going to go for our four-up shot, which I think is still there. It's been a pleasure to have you, a uh, pleasure to have everybody aboard. So uh, thank you very much to Louis for uh, jumping in and taking some of the load off. It's actually made quite a difference to me because I've been able to be a bit more thinking about what you're saying rather than thinking about what I'm doing next, even though it may <laughs> not sound that way. Honestly, I have been. Um, okay, well, that's it for this week. We'll say thank you very much. And that was Sonic Talk, episode 697. See you next week. Take care now. Bye-bye.